Remember the Office of Technology Assessment? If you do, you've been around a while. That group, which provided insight to Congress on technology and its implications, was defunded in 1995, disappeared about a year later. A recently recovered staff member of the House Judiciary Committee argues it's time to bring back the OTA. Sasha Moss is a government affairs manager at the R Street Institute. She's joined by Zach Graves, a policy chief at the Lincoln Network. They join me now in studio, and it's good to have you both in. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for having us. All right, so OTA. Sasha, let's start with you. Give us an idea of what it actually did way back then. I like the joke that it's CRS for nerds. What they would do is on the Congressional Research Service. Yes, Congressional Research Service. On the advisement of the OTA's board, they would compose long-form technological assessments. And like CRS, for example, that um, as a former staff member, I could say, if I had a question about mm, tax policy, I could call CRS and say, can you come in and brief me for this hearing coming up in a week or so? And they would do so. OTA, however, had a different model. They focused on longer-form papers that, as Zach can speak to, a lot of their pieces had later implications. Like net neutrality, for example, was a topic they covered back in the late 80s, and now we're still debating the issue, which is fascinating to think about. They were so forward-thinking. And Zach, I guess it's safe to say that in 1995, when they were defunded, that was just the dawn of when people were even getting web browsers. Right. I mean, we just had the World Wide Web come along. Like Congress itself was in the process of sort of adopting uh, modern technologies and email and digital you know, engagements with correspondence. So, I mean, we're in a very different era now versus 1995. The you know, prevalence and importance of science and technology policy issues are much, much larger. For example, the GAO recently recommended that Congress create a comprehensive privacy law in the light of social media. And we saw earlier, I guess sometime middle of last year in the hearings with Facebook, half the people on the Hill questioning didn't know what it was all about. That's a great point. Members get a lot of flack. I think after the Facebook hearings, you saw memes and GIFs and jokes on you name it, uh, television show regarding incompetency of members. I wouldn't put it on the members themselves for not being competent in these technological issues because they have a full staff. For example, I was a counsel for a House Judiciary member, and my job was to learn all the topics so the member, when he was in the dais questioning witnesses or maybe giving a statement on the floor, he had the knowledge to do so. And that's the problem at hand is a lot of staff aren't technologists by trade. They aren't experts in these fields, and they're being asked to learn these topics, educate their members. So thing we saw happen doesn't happen. They don't get the clever glyph gifts or the memes and so on and so forth. We shouldn't necessarily expect, uh, you know, our elected representatives themselves to have a deep and comprehensive knowledge of, of every policy issue. But I think they're particularly weak coming in on science and technology policy. Most members come from professional backgrounds in business, law or finance. There are very few scientists and engineers. In fact, I think there are twice as many talk radio hosts in the last Congress than scientists. Well, that's good, I guess. Maybe not so good. (laughs) And a fun little joke there. Actually, my former boss was a talk radio host. (laughs) All right. Yes, you worked for Blake Farenthold. Yes, I did. Okay, got it. The question is now, is there any movement or momentum in Congress that you're able to sense on the revival of OTA or something akin to it? There's been efforts to revive OTAs basically since it was defunded. You know, immediately they tried to put it actually under the Congressional Research Service. And there's been and, you know, efforts for a number of years. For a while, they were led by Congressman Rush Holt. Uh, more recently, they've been led by Congressman Bill Foster and Mark Takano. 
and the you know we talked about right, just to help us out here yeah. bipartisan support for this you know the, the the support for this idea has been heavily driven by democrats it's been bipartisan but much more i think strong on the left in the last year or two we've seen at least the you know a lot of right of center people in the think tank and intellectual space come on board with this idea the american enterprise institute which is right of center recently had a piece calling for the revival of OTA Sasha's group the R Street Institute where i also used to work uh has called for uh the revival of OTA and my own group Lincoln is right of center as well all right, so we have people on both sides then basically thinking this could be a good idea. We're right. speaking with Zach Graves. He's policy chief at the Lincoln Network and with Sasha Moss, government affairs manager at the R Street Institute. And uh, Sasha, what are some of the other issues? We talked about Internet privacy where Congress is a beat behind where it seems like the country needs to be going with this ad sales deal. What are some other issues that Congress could benefit if it had a really deep think tank of its own on technology. The first topic that comes to mind is patent law. We're currently seeing the president ask for heightened protections in intellectual property, specifically to combat, uh, say, Chinese imports. That's a great question at hand. That's a that's an d- interesting proposal, but it ultimately comes down to the law that is making these systems function. And in most cases, it is patent law. And I can't tell you how many uh, patent examiners are currently staffers in the Hill. To the best of my knowledge, we have maybe two. So how can we ask our staffers to staff their members of Congress on really complex issues like patent law when most of them, for example, are either recovering attorneys, still practicing attorneys, or maybe just happen to intern with the congressman and have moved up through the ranks and just have a bachelor's degree in, say, a social science or the arts? Zach? I mean, we're looking at a lot of really big technology policy issues coming up. I think you mentioned privacy, uh, you know, intellectual property uh, you know, autonomous vehicles legislation, lots of things with interplays with the states. So we can't just sort of have in federal inaction and sort of expect good outcomes to happen because the states are already doing things. And so that puts our representatives in a place where they need to make determinations about relatively technically deep and complex issues and what the trade-offs are for different policy options. And unfortunately, I think we're in a position where we're largely flying blind because we don't have that kind of rigorous analysis of what these, you know, actual trade-offs of different policies are going to be. CRS is a great, you know, value on the Hill, but what it does is it does sort of cliff notes, you know, summary of existing literature. It's not doing new multidisciplinary analysis on on these kinds of questions. And I think it's a mistake to defer, as we are now, to, you know, kind of lobbyists and industry groups and think tanks who don't always have the same kind of methodology. They don't always have the best interest of, of you know, putting out objective, nonpartisan analysis. And sometimes Congress gets advice from federal agencies because they have lots of technical experts. What's your sense of how deep the expertise is in some of these issues, say, at, I don't know, possibly affected right. agencies like the Federal Trade Commission, the Securities and Exchange Commission? There are agencies in aviation, in mining, lots of things that are being transformed by technology, transportation department, many, many bureaus. Is that a good source for Congress or does it need some of the training itself? There's a lot of technical depth in agencies and some are, you know, deliberately designed to serve an advisory function uh, like NIST or NTIA. Um, And often there are detailees from executive agencies on congressional committees. Um, The challenge with agencies, in my view, is there's an important kind of constitutional separation of powers issue where Congress ought to have the ability to check the homework of what the agencies are telling it. And we've seen 
several examples of agencies coming in and explicitly lying to Congress. We've seen you know, agencies that have kind of myopic views of particular issues where the FBI or law enforcement community or intelligence community might come in and say, we need you to backdoor encryption and make that a mandate in law and wave a magic wand, you know, Apple and Google and so on, without really thinking of what the trade-offs are, what are, you know, our kind of systemic cybersecurity risks associated with that. I mean, this these are sort the sorts of things that, you know, Congress needs to be able to be sure that it's doing the right thing. It's really hard to sort of roll back the bad effects of a bad policy sure. once you enact something like that. And Sasha, you said that the OTA is on Speaker Pelosi's agenda. Now they have the majority in the House, of course, the, the Democrats. If she could get a bill through the House, could it get through the Senate? What's your handicap there? Ooh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. I think it's possible. And I think it's possible because what needs to be mentioned is last appropriation cycle, the former legislative branch subcommittee chairman, Representative Yoder, instituted what is now the conversation surrounding OTA, which is he asked for a report to be conducted whether or not there is a need for technological assessment in Congress, also known as a legislative arm like CRS, for example. That's a Republican asking for this. The Republican sheltered that through. In addition, one of the former board members of OTA is um, former Chairman Grassley or Senator Grassley. He's still there. He's still kicking. Yes, and indeed. he's probably and he's still a staunch defender of OTA to this day. So knowing that and also the former leadership of former Chairman Yoder, I think it's possible now the question is how much money is going to be appropriated, what will it look like? Will it go into, say, another branch like Zach has suggested oftentimes GAO or will it be its own separate entity? Those are structural questions that this report hopefully will unveil to us. And at that point, Speaker Pelosi should read the report and see what the way forward is. And that report is due when? It's coming out on Halloween, and it's conducted by the National Academy of Public Administration. Okay, so we have the summer to think about it. Yes. Sasha Moss is government affairs manager at the R Street Institute. Zach Graves, policy chief at the Lincoln Network. Thanks so much to you both for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hear the Federal Drive wherever you are and on your own device by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target's red card debit card, you'll save 5% every Target trip on top of everyday low prices in-store and online. Debit red card links from your existing bank account. Visit Target.com slash red card to get all the details. Restrictions apply.